I wasn't sure I'd ever uh, step out and do my own thing. It took this place to do it. And it is Virginia Tech. This isn't some rinky-dink-ass program. I don't know if I could follow that one up. I'm yelling into the void, and that's what I like doing. <laughs> Pete, nobody's looking at your tweets. We're going to recruit our footprint, and we're going to work our tails off to bring those Virginia kids to Blacksburg. Those situations are the worst when you are on top yeah. of another guy. The relationships are very important to me. That's what this place is built on. That's your boy. That's your judge of character. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. At 95 Miami, is, is my fondest name. And maybe the experience after the Sugar Bowl with Wes Worsham and J.C. Price on Bourbon Street. <laughs> Come on, J.C. I want to know what you're drinking, Robbie. It is roasty goodness, even though I was out. What's the percent on that? 11. It was a dream come true back then, and it's a dream come true today. Hey, Mom, why don't you try a rail? We're going to put this old guy in a grave for the love of the game. And I mowed the lawn after work before the podcast. Mm, we just got better, guys. Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence, a Sons of Saturday podcast. My name is Pete B, and we got my co-host here, Sam Jesse, is is on the pod. How you doing, Sam? Doing well, Pete. How are you? We um, are uh, one good, week dude. from the Super Bowl. That that's right. I mean, it's it's Monday night, and yeah, we've got we've got a handful of days until the Swifties get their first taste of a Super Bowl. Are are you a certified Swifty, Sam? Are you a Taylor Swift guy? I I enjoy Taylor Swift. I would not say I'm a Swifty though. Okay. I I enjoy her music. Um, I, I'm not fanatical like that. Yeah. I, I mean, we, I think most people have, you know, danced to a Taylor Swift song in their life at this point. It's, she's got a lot of catchy songs and, and if you're, if you're a true hater, like I don't really understand it because she's such a big part of popular culture at this point. <laughs> I mean, what's crazy is like our song and teardrops on my guitar came out when I was nine years old and I'm, <laughs> I turned 27 tomorrow. That's crazy. So man. like my pretty much my entire conscious life, Taylor Swift has been a superstar. So the first thing I can remember, and we'll, we'll stop talking about Taylor Swift in a second. I, I promise. Uh, my wife is a big fan. She was in college when, when she started blowing up and I was just out and love story was big and whatever. And I remember I lived in Arlington and I was like, there's this like new teenager on the radio and she's pretty popular. She's from Pennsylvania. Um, but anyway, I am looking forward to the Super Bowl. I, I I want the 49ers to win. I hate I really don't like either of the teams, but the Eagles just lost to the Chiefs in last year's Super Bowl. I am an Eagles fan. Uh has nothing to do with T Swift. It's just about my distaste for the Chiefs and and being on this run that's which is absolutely incredible. I don't like that there's going to be so much red on the field, which maybe <laughs> right. is also another Taylor Swift callback, but <laughs> the Niners and Chiefs is not a good uniform matchup. No. And we've gotten that twice very recently. I think I'm pulling for the Niners. My money is pulling for the Niners. I feel really <laughs> dumb betting against Patrick Mahomes. Though. I know. I know, man. And if you think about it, someone put it this way, like the Niners beat what the seven seed uh, in their first, game and in the second game they needed a huge collapse by detroit to win so it's like are they like if anything i feel like kansas city's had the better playoffs you know they didn't have a better season but they had a better playoffs yeah i mean two weeks is you can lose momentum in two weeks though so i i'm I'm excited i think it's gonna be a great game i think i think san francisco has some matchups on kc but kc's got the best quarterback and play, a the coach, best playmaking quarterback we've ever seen. 
Yeah, and Kelsey, who's constantly open because Andy Reid is scheming the defenses up like crazy this playoffs. He did it to the Birds in the Super Bowl last year, and he's doing it this playoffs. It's witchcraft. It's it, nothing short of witchcraft. It's crazy, man. Well, this is going to be our voicemails of the season episode. I've compiled all the voicemails from this season, and we're going to play them for you in a few minutes here. But Sam and I did want to hop on and, and do a little bit of an update on everything that's been going on in Hokie Nation these last couple of weeks and just a few notes from around the country. And let's start, Sam, with the coaching carousel because uh, Sharon Moore did, in fact, become Michigan's head coach. But we got a, some news in the ACC that Jeff Halfley is leaving Boston College to go be the Packers defensive coordinator. What did you think about that move by Halfley? Um, that was a move that you make when you know you're probably on the hot seat and it doesn't look like it's going to get any better. And he's taking a job that'll probably pay him just about the same, but it's higher pedigree. And it's a little bit more in his wheelhouse. I just don't think it was ever going to work for him at Boston College. And I don't think it's because he's not a good coach and because you can't win at Boston College. I think it's right. because his defensive scheme is really based on having very, very good edge rushers elite defensive tackles and players who can swarm to the ball. Like that's how he was successful at Ohio state. He wasn't going to get those guys at Boston college. Like Bosa wasn't going to Boston college. Denzel Ward Ward wasn't going to Boston college. <laughs> yeah. So like you, he needs elite level athletes to play that defense. When he has them, it's very, very good. When he doesn't tech almost drops 50 on him. His I, defenses I think, have gotten worse. Like every yeah. year he's been at Boston college. And I it, think it I just, think there was working. an upgrade in the second year, just to correct myself, and then it started to go downhill. And last year's defense was terrible. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't working. And um I think it's gonna be best for both parties that they move on. Halfley is a he's a good coach, but what was not a match made in heaven. No. And I, I saw this, it was from Ricky LeBlue, so I'll give him credit, but he was like, What a lifeboat for Jeff Halfley. And that's exactly what I was thinking because he was probably going to be fired this upcoming season. This this year, if they didn't have that out-of-conference schedule where they squeaked by in every single game, they he, he wouldn't have made a bowl, and he would probably have been out of a job this season. But instead, they make the bowl, they beat the AAC champion in SMU, and it looks kind of like a good season. And I guess his agent was working overtime to get him that job with the Packers. Yeah, I mean, what a... Yeah, take it if you got it, because I don't think that opportunity was coming again. And if you look at their schedule for next year, it's it's not tough, but it's also not easier. And their team isn't going to be that much better. And it's like you're, you're kind of running in quicksand there if you're Jeff Halfley at Boston College. So, And I'm so curious as to who they get. There was a little bit of talk yeah. about Bill O'Brien, right? I think there's a lot of talk about Bill O'Brien right now. Okay. And that opens up the Ohio state offensive coordinator job that he just got. So this, this carousel is going to keep on going because that Ohio state offensive coordinator job is just as much a next step to an NFL or high power coaching job than, than a Boston college head coach. It, that so. is found money. If you end up getting that OC Good job, guess. because you are going to have weapons. Uh, there is obviously a question at the quarterback, but next year, I mean, Get yourself someone who can call some run plays, and they're probably going to be legit. I, I do think if, if Bill O'Brien doesn't work out for some reason, I think it it sounds like it should, 
But if it doesn't, I think there's a very familiar name to Tech fans, Scott Leffler, who's currently at Bowling Green. Mm. Uh, he's done a good job getting them to bowl games, one of the toughest jobs in the country. Beat Georgia he's Tech last guy, year. <laughs> yeah, formerly at Boston College. Uh, they've had decent offenses under him. I think he could be a name. Um, but yeah, Bill o if they can get Bill O'Brien, what a home run hire for them. I mean, pedigree, big name to, to come to He'll a small recruit private school. A little He'll bit. recruit. He'll get coaches around him. I don't know how good of a coach he is, but in terms of pedigree, that would be a major W for Boston College. Yeah, yeah. It, it gives instant credibility to their head coach. And he did a good job with Penn State coming off the sanctions many, many years ago now. But uh, he hasn't – he's bounced around a lot at this point, but he's a name, and that, that would be good for BC. I also noticed – and this is just a side note before we get to uh, a little bit about recruiting – is that Pitt's defensive line coach, Charlie Partridge – got hired away by the Colts today. And he is an excellent D-line coach. We know the development that took place under Narduzzi on that D-line over the years. And Partridge was a huge reason why. It wasn't like they were bringing in tons of four stars. They got some high-end guys, but but not that many. And he developed a D-line year in and year out. So we don't have Pitt on the schedule next year. But going forward, that's very good for other teams in the ACC to not have to deal with that D-line from Pitt. That's also another program that where do they kind of go from here? Last season was really bad. And yeah. again, similar to Boston College, it doesn't look like it's going to get that much better this year. So I think Pittsburgh's going to have to have some tough questions. I don't think Narduzzi's on the hot seat or anything like that. He's established himself as one of the better coaches in the ACC, but they got to change something in Pittsburgh. Yeah, they they do, man. And, and it does seem like two years ago when they won the ACC, like that was really a one-off. Just uh, just everything came together perfectly. Yeah, I don't I don't see them having an NFL quarterback and an NFL wide receiver right. at the, the same Bolitnikov time. winner. Anytime soon, <laughs> yeah. All right, let's go to tech recruiting. We got a couple of preferred walk-ons last week, and National Signing Day, the actual original National Signing Day, is coming up in two days. But we collected a couple more commitments, and the most notable one was a wide receiver named Lamar Booker from Richmond. He's nearly an 87 in the 247 composite and a top 1,000 player. And if you look at his composite ranking, it's tied with UVA's second highest recruit in their entire class. <laughs> like, I <laughs> He can't be a walk-on for that long, right? Like he's I mean, got to be a walk on for the spring and then get a scholarship. I'm going to guess that's how it's going to work out. They're going to tell him like it'll open up after spring practice, maybe. Yeah. Because I agree. Like he is, he's legitimately like pretty high recruit. And so I, one of the things is we have a lot of wide receivers and we have a couple more wide receivers coming in in this class. So it might have been a kind of thing like, hey, man, we just don't have a space for a wide receiver. And he said, I'll take a PWO and, and show you. You know, like I, I don't know how it went down, but yeah, but that's a, that's a really good get. That's, it is. It's just a, I don't, I don't know what he's going to do this year, next year. I mean, right. he's a redshirt candidate for sure. Um, after that, who knows, but to, to keep him away from somebody else is, is also important too. Right. Like, yeah, like you said, UVA would love to have him. They don't, they don't have him. I think the, we don't talk a lot about, uh, 
PWOs on this show. But I think the last one we were really excited about was uh, Max Philpot. Do you remember that guy, that kid? I he remember was- <laughs> Max Philpot's spring game was maybe not up there with Caleb Farley's spring game, but it was pretty high up there. Yeah, yeah. He looked like he was going to be a contributor on the D-line for us. But All right, and then we got a 2025 commit, and this was really big. Connor Stallard, and not just the commitment itself was big, but the actual human is big. He is a huge offensive tackle from Christiansburg. Six foot seven and a half is what he's listed at on two four seven and three hundred and fifteen pounds. I think you happen to see him in person at one point. Yeah, Billy Ray and I actually saw him on the sidelines, and we were we were down there chatting it up with some people, and it was like he towered over all of Tech's current offensive linemen. Like he's every bit of six eight. He's listed six seven and a half. He's got to be six eight. Uh, I he mean, I played been, volleyball. I, I've been around a lot of really tall people. He was massive. He would have been the, the biggest offensive lineman on our roster last year. As a junior in high school, we don't have anyone that's over 315, and he would have been the tallest. So I if mean, he, in fact, comes in at that weight, like he's going to be the biggest offensive lineman in the room. His offer list is really interesting. I mean, he's got Louisville, Marshall, Maryland, Pittsburgh, UVA. Uh, West Virginia, Duke, and of course the Hokies, but he got a lot of interest from Bama, Auburn, uh, Penn State. He's a guy the Hokies are going to have to hold on to because oh, yeah, because I think those offers are coming around. Yeah, and I mean it's he's at Christiansburg High School, and, and no offense to the to the good people of Christiansburg, Virginia, but it's not necessarily a football hotbed. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think he's a guy who just not a lot of people know about right now. And that would be our advantage, right? Like he lives down the street from tech. He's already chosen to go to tech. I think it's going to be relatively uh, easy for us to keep him in the boat. But if, if Ohio state or Penn state or somebody comes calling, that's, uh, that's always hard to hold off. So we'll, mm-hmm. we'll see. But for now, great addition to our 2025 class was just, just getting started. There's a handful of other 2025 guys that might be close to committing there have been some crystal balls floating around out there, and I'm not going to get into the details too much, uh, but we could get some commitments relatively soon here for the 2025 class. Yeah, and you just, you got to start building that class and start hanging on to those guys. It feels like a long time away, but we're less than a year away from those guys signing, right? I know. So you got to get those guys in the boat, not only to, to get them, but to get the guys that they bring with them. We've seen how important like with Davi Belfort and, and Gabriel Williams this cycle, how important it's been for them recruiting other guys. Yep. So when you get guys, especially higher profile guys in the boat early, it can be huge for your recruiting class. It, it really is. And like, it's about to be signing day. And before you know it, it's going to be June. And then that's like recruiting season. So it, it is absolutely, we're going to start seeing some names uh, coming down the pike here for the, for the Hokies in 2025 couple more topics, and then we're going to get you those voicemails. Let's go over the returning production, Sam, because that hit the Twitter feed this morning. Bill Connolly put out his annual returning production, at least the one that he does in February, and he updates it, I think, at the end of the summer. But Virginia Tech came in number one in Bill Connolly's returning production, something I have never seen before. I know we've had some high ones, maybe a top 10, maybe a top five, but never number one. It's just nice to have a number one next to your name, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. I, I love it. And I said on Twitter, like for the stat nerds and the the analytics nerds, Bill Connolly and his returning production metric being number one, like that's a mini championship for us, for us nerds over here. <laughs> it is. It is. And I'll tell you, 
it's not surprising at all when you mm-hmm. look at the wide receiver core. You bring back your top two running backs. You bring back your starting quarterback. Defensively, you bring back pretty much all of your sack production. Uh, you bring back both starting cornerbacks, and you know it's not surprising. Tech finished, uh, you know, number one by a bit of a margin over Iowa State, and I think what's important to realize too is. Just because you return production, like it doesn't mean that production is good. You can return bad production and your team yes. will still be bad. You know, I think Virginia is number five on that list. It's and true. Yes. <laughs> if you're Virginia, you kind of wanted to turn over that roster. That whole roster is coming back. And and you know, they might get better in the offseason, but you don't, you know, you don't grow four inches, gain fifty pounds, and run, you know, two tenths of a second faster over one offseason. It can be a very misleading stat, and there's a lot that goes into it, but it's one tool in, in the toolbox that you know forecasters use to to rate teams. And a good observation would just to be look at a G5 team. If you have a G5 team that returns all this production, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be good at all. Like, it, and But usually for the P5, you can count on a little bit of a jump in your SP plus ranking. And that's what Doug Bowman's been talking about. And he, he had some tweets today and he said, on average teams that bring back over 80% of their returning production, jump five, six, seven points in the SP plus, And that would move Virginia tech to a 12.2. And, and that's the, the point scale. But for people that need to know, it means SP plus around 20. Like around between 20 and 25, if we were to add what teams typically add to their SP plus score from this returning production level, which is insane to be a top 25 team in SP plus. And I don't know how much like that's not considering Ollie Jennings either. (laughs) True. Like Ollie Jennings doesn't because as a percentage of your total production, Ollie Jennings has two of your touchdown catches and I don't know, maybe like 3% of your total receptions. And so, what he does is he, him he, too. Yes. And I didn't mean to cut you off, Sam. The he adds transfers. Like he does try to add the transfer numbers, but Ali isn't a transfer. Like he, we no. already had him. He's like a he's like a free agent signing almost. <laughs> right. Like he's a he's a actually no, he's not even that. He's like a draft pick. He's like a guy nobody else had that you just add to your team. It's right. And and God, God bless Bill Connolly for yeah. attempting it. I don't it's, know how he's doing this with all the with all the movement that goes on. It's got to be such a bigger headache than it was ten years ago. But I I do give him kudos for doing it. The note on Iowa State you mentioned: Virginia Tech and Iowa State are the only two teams in the eighties in returning production in terms of percentage. You did say UVA; they're they're about five or six. Rutgers and Syracuse hovering around that ten line. So. We have some teams on on the list that are going to be bringing back a lot of production. You've got, I think there was a couple other teams in the ODUs at 70%, mm. but Stanford's a little bit on the higher end, Miami 66%. But once you get into that, like into the mid 60s, it's a, it's a crapshoot. Like it, where we are is like, you can actually count on that helping your SP plus score. Yeah. And I think too, what Hokie fans should take away from this more than anything is that Virginia Tech not only got a little bit lucky with how old their players were, I think luck plays a bit of part in this, but most importantly, Virginia Tech staff did maybe the best job of anybody in the country at retaining their star quality production. 
Yes. I don't think another program did what Virginia Tech did this offseason. And that's really, really rare. And Pete, I don't want to um I don't want to prop things up too much here. What is it, February fifth? Yeah. When this goes into some of the other more advanced versions of returning production, uh last year Washington was number one in those. Washington played in the national title. The year before that, Texas Christian played in the national title. I uh, I'm not saying those things, but I am saying Teams that return production, it is a very good indicator of being a very good team. Are you referencing TARP again, Sam? Is that what's happening? <laughs> I might be referencing that. Well, Bill Connolly works with with TARP, so okay, that's, okay. No, it, I'm just yeah, I just tease Sam know. about TARP, but I absolutely love returning production. I love TARP. I love all that stuff. And what Sam just said is kind of mind blowing. And that the last two number one teams in TARP, right? We're in the national championship game the, that season. <laughs> Don't ask how the national championship game went. Just that's know that true. They were in the national title game. So it just it bodes well. That's that's all we're trying to say is it bodes well, and we're it's exciting to see it kind of the numbers actually come out on paper because Doug's been talking about this for a few weeks, but now we actually have the first edition of of Bill's numbers. Let's talk a little bit about the men's hoops team, Sam. After we last recorded, we did beat Georgia Tech, but we lost the much-hyped Duke game last Monday. We just never got into a rhythm that night. Padula did not play well, and that continued into the Miami game. That was extra frustrating. That Miami game this past weekend, we were in control, I would say, for about 30 minutes, and it felt like, all right, just just hold. Hold on, and we'll be good, and we'll get this potentially Q1 win. And... I don't know what the heck happened. I think the lack of depth is starting to rear its ugly head again. And that's interesting because we came into this season saying, wow, this is the deepest team they've had under Mike Young. Like this team goes nine players deep. They have backups at every position. All of a sudden your backup point guard leaves a couple weeks before the season. Makai Long, who's been your starting four or your six man off the bench. He has a knee injury, and it's all of a sudden you're like, man, we don't have a lot of scorers off the bench. We don't have a lot of defenders off the bench. And you play a team like Miami who plays very fast, they play very hard, and they're full of NBA talent. You're probably not going to last 40 minutes against that team. Yeah, and And the turnovers. Like Sean had seven turnovers in that game and a handful down the stretch, and it overshadowed his 21 points and eight of 18 shooting. Couture well, had 19 points. Tired. Yeah, that, that's being tired more than yeah. anything. Like that's mental and physical exhaustion right there. And um, they've, you know, moving forward, they've got to figure out a way to be able to rotate the guard positions because for the second straight year, they're not able to do that. Yeah, because Rex Steiner's been sick or or whatever. So he hasn't been able to to spell Sean. And, and you look at the stats and you're like, oh, Sean had 21, Couture had 19. You know, we we lost the rebounding battle, but we kind of shot better than them in some ways. But like Miami shot 29 free throws in the game and made 27. That was that was really that and the rebounding were the differences. Now, the turnovers didn't help. Both teams had the same amount of turnovers in the game. And so it was it was at the line. We shot 14 free throws. They shot 29 and we only made 50 percent of our free throws, which is very unlike us. And it. That that was kind of the hidden thing that happened in that game besides the meltdown is how many free throws Miami shot. We are currently 53rd in the net rankings, and our bubble hopes are getting slim, although that 
that ranking like still keeps us in the game. They basically need to win. They have what ten games left in the regular season? Nine. Yep. Nine. You need to. I mean, they need to win seven or eight of them. Like, you just got to start stacking some W's somewhere because they're they're only a few games over five hundred, and I, I think you're getting to the point this season where a loss feels kind of like a death blow, and it's going to be really tough for for these guys to get on the right side of the bubble. I think they can put themselves in position heading into the ACC tournament. I, I really do, but. It's going to be tough, man, especially with the perception of the ACC this year. Just seems like that's going to be a really tough. Uh, I mean, tough have you seen climb. some of the the bracketology? Like three teams from the ACC, like that's yeah. that's horrific, and and kind of like unfairly so. And there has been some cannibalization, as John Rothstein tweeted about last week. And Florida State losing to Louisville, <laughs> like a couple nights, like you can't lose to Louisville. Like you just you can't do it. We have we have a game against them later in the year that I'm hoping hoping we win. We already beat them once, I think. But uh, well, but yeah, I think like, also the the ACC used to be like even the bottom of the ACC was good teams. Mm-hmm. Like you know Pittsburgh finishing twelfth in the conference like was still a good team. This year the bottom of the ACC is so bad that you're you're just getting so many like quad three quad four games that are usually quad two games. And that yeah. makes it, from a metric standpoint, just really tough to make up ground. I think the Hokies are in that position now where, yes, the schedule is easier from here on out. They should beat some more wins, but there's just not a ton of quality wins left on the schedule. No, the only Q1 opportunities are UNC on the road. And I, I hate to be a Debbie Downer, but like there is no way we're winning that one in the Dean Dome. Like it would take, it would honestly take a miracle. UNC is really, really good. And, yep. um, so anyway, and then we have Pitt away, which is winnable. You could you could win that away game at Pitt, and then maybe Wake at home becomes a, a Q1 opportunity if Wake continues to win because Wake's been good, and they're about at 40 in the net. They need to get to 30 and then stay there despite the loss for it to count. So we are up against it with Q1 opportunities in the regular season. Could we yeah. get to the ACC tournament and, and beat a Duke? and be awake, which would be a top 50 team on a neutral site, perhaps. Um, yeah. And the games are in D.C. I don't know if you know that, but the ACC tournament this year is in Washington, D.C., and so we kind of have a potentially some some home court advantage. We'd have a lot of fans there, but you know Duke and Carolina are going to bring a ton of fans. Well, I also think, you know, for some reason, I don't know why this is, the committee seems to value those tournament wins less than yeah. they do other wins. I don't know why, but they do. So I think even if they finish the regular season well, you got to try to get to the semis at least. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think, think part of it is they that, they come into that uh, they come into that ACC tournament, and like a lot of those committee members already kind of have like their criteria is laid out. If someone wins the conference, that's unexpected. Mm-hmm. Of course, that shakes things up. But I think you're right in that sometimes those if you get two conference tournament wins it doesn't really matter unless you beat like a number five team in the country, which we could mm-hmm. do against UNC. Like that's the only chance is like, can we take down UNC either in their house or in an ACC champ uh, conference tournament game? Yeah. It's very similar to when Virginia Tech did win the ACC title and went on that run. And it was end of the season. I think they finished like seven and two to end the year, mm-hmm. went on, won the ACC tournament. And everyone was like, man, this could be a seven seed. This could be an eight seed. Like they really played themselves into a good position they ended up getting like the second to last seed 
of the non-play-in teams in the tournament yeah. playing 11 seed had to play a really good texas team like that's just the committee doesn't value tournament champions like yeah they viewed it more of as a fluke they do. even though we beat unc and coach k in his last conference tournament in our in our games and beat the number one overall pick like we got screwed on that seating, <laughs> but that that's besides the point. Um, I, our next game, we're playing in South Bend on Saturday. We get a full week off from our last game. Florida State at home next Tuesday, and then the trip to UNC. UVA in the castle on 219. That would be a nice that's, one to win. <laughs> I, I, so I'm, I'm kind of known in the Suns chat for the like labeling games. The... <laughs> Every one of those is a must win, except for Carolina. Carolina is an opportunity game. The yeah. other ones you have to win to have a shot. You, if they anything less than three and one in the next four, and it's it's curtains. Yeah, <laughs> you're hope you're hoping to get an NIT bid at that point. If I'm being quite honest with you, right. Let's move to women's hoops. This is this is the better side of Castle here coming in, and then we'll do this quick, and then we'll do a a beer break, and then get to the voicemails. 18 and four are the women. They are nine and two in the ACC, and they just moved to number 16 in this week's AP poll after wins over UVA and number 24 UNC in Chapel Hill. And before that, the ladies had beaten Georgia Tech and number 24 Syracuse on the road. So four straight wins since we last recorded. And it's it's been fun to watch because even the nights that Kitley's not dominating, which she won ACC Player of the Week last week on the strength of that 33 and 18 she had against UVA. But when she was struggling against UNC, who came to the rescue? It was Georgia Amore. They seem like they're figuring out some rotation here and they're figuring out their depth. And you're seeing players who at the beginning of the year were like, well, they're not doing too much. They got to figure it out. They got to figure it out. And then all of a sudden, Matilda Eck is, you know, making big shots. Clara Shack is, is dominating inside already as a freshman. Like they're getting production out of multiple players. And it's really impressive to see this team grow throughout the season. They're a much better team now than they were when they played Iowa and Charlotte at the beginning of the year. I agree. I agree. Kayla King, uh, she's back from her injury. She actually never missed a game, but she struggled versus Georgia Tech right after that, but had 13 against Syracuse. Eck, as you said, continuing her run of good play. She's averaging 12 and a half points over her last five games, shooting the ball well from three, 14 and eight against UNC. And one thing I didn't realize is that the UNC women do not play in the Dean Dome. Did you know that? I, yes, I did. Okay. Um, so that's something that a few universities do that have like an older gym and a newer gym. Like I think Ohio state does that. Penn Doesn't, state does um, that for some sports. NC state. NC state has Reynolds, which is like a pretty historic Coliseum on campus. And then they play at that dump PNC arena at the fairgrounds. It smells like, <laughs> it smells like a state fairgrounds over there. To be quite honest <laughs> with you. But yes, they, they have been very good. And just watching Amor and Kitley and their excellence over these last like four games has been so fun. We're running out of opportunities to watch them, uh, you know, play for the Hokies and, or at least together, maybe we'll get another year of, uh, of Georgia. But uh, when one doesn't have it, the other one does until they get it back. And so that has been, been really cool. They got a trip to number three NC state this Thursday which could prove challenging. Wait, is that right? Cause NC state's playing Louisville right now in women's hoops. I think that's, um, they, they, they might play. I mean, that 
a Monday yeah. and a Thursday. Yeah, that makes sense. But yeah. anyway, yeah, so it's it's number three, NC State. They moved up from number five, so they're a top three team in the country. Then then we have BC and Duke at home before a stretch of at Louisville, who's ranked, UNC, who just fell out of the rankings because of us, and then at Notre Dame, who's number 12, before ending the season in Charlottesville. So there's a tough stretch. That's a gauntlet. <laughs> coming up of away games, too. And so you, you got to go to Raleigh, to Louisville, to Notre Dame, and then to Charlottesville. Like, that's that's no joke. They're going to end up playing. I mean, if you consider the LSU game, and then you consider a neutral side against Iowa, they might be close to double-digit road or neutral site games against top 25 teams. It, it's crazy, man. And They've then you have the so ACC many. tournament on top of that. Right. The ACC is loaded with women's teams this year. Yes, currently NC State is up on Louisville 47-30. to 30. So they're they're spanking them. It's halftime right now. They're up by seventeen. Uh, so going to Raleigh is going to be it's going to be tough. But that, that would be that might be the loudest indoor place I've ever been. Is really? Reynolds Coliseum? It okay. was. It's deafening. Um, <laughs> it's going to be hard. Like to actually, win that game. it's painfully loud. So if you have a chance to go there, go. It's really really cool. But just like if you have small kids or something, definitely bring earplugs. The way that building is, it's so small, but it's so ungodly loud. Yeah. Well, Sam, let's take a minute to talk about our sponsor, and then uh, we're going to do a beer break, and then we're going to do the voicemails. 2D Pokies Under the Influence is brought to you by Roback. You guys know Roback, the performance active wear designed for those who crave activity. Same polo company with those VT polos that we all love. I've got the white one with the maroon Virginias upstairs. They also have... The Berg, which is their quarter zip, which is a two-tone maroon look. Right now, they're offering our listeners 20% off. You've probably heard us say this before, but it's code 2 dbt And you can get their hoodies, their tees, their quarter zips, joggers, their women's stuff, uh, tennis, golf, all kinds of different things. And they have so many cool polos for the golf course. With spring coming up, you're going to want to redo your wardrobe a little bit. So use code 2DVT for 20% off your order. Roback Crave Activity. For right now, Sam, I need to know what you're drinking. Well, I said I was going to do a different one for every show as long as I could. And on show two, I'm sticking with that. I am with a classic, maybe not the Mid-Atlantic, but a classic in the state of Texas. It's a good old Shiner Bach. It is it is by no means a luxurious beer, but it has a lot of depth of flavor to it. And it's a beer that it needs to be ice, ice cold when you drink it. But when it is, it's great. Uh, I was in Austin this summer and it was like record setting hot, 105 to 110 every day. It was miserable. And this stuff it's a perfectly flavorful beer that's not a Pilsner flavor beer, but it's really easy to drink and cools you down. So uh, Shiner Bach has a cool bottle with it, uh, brewed in Texas. It's a very good one. Super dark beer for being light, right? Like it's only around 5%, right? Something like that. Yeah, and it, it has some of those amber ale flavors to it, but it doesn't have the like the dark and heavy feel to it that a lot of the amber ales have. So right. it's a pretty unique beer and it's, yeah, I really enjoy it. Yeah. You're right on with that because it is, I remember we were at tech and you know, you're, you're usually buying kegs of beast or 
Keystone or something crappy. And one day our buddy, like he comes home and he's like, I got a keg of Shinerbach and he pours the first one. We're like, Oh, that's going to be nasty. And like, but even for college kids, it was palatable. And it was like, we were rich for one night drinking a keg of Shinerbach. But uh, I am drinking the Alluvium I, uh, Hazy IPA from East Branch Brewing. This is right in Downingtown, Pennsylvania. My sister-in-law lives out there. And whenever they come to visit uh, my bro-in-law, he brings me a couple of these. But the Alluvium, I may have had on the podcast. I don't know if I've ever rated it. And that's something I wanted to tell you guys too. We're on Untapped. We've been on Untapped. And I know a handful of you do follow what we do. Now, last season with Rob not drinking alcoholic beer, I'm not sure how much it was getting updated. Maybe not at all. We've got we've got control again. So make sure you follow 2DVT on Untapped. And Sam, I'm just curious, what what are you giving? You can go to the 0.25 if you want. What are you giving your Shiner? Ooh, okay. Out so out of five, all beers in tap, like it's probably like a three, two, five. It's okay. good. It's enjoyable, but it's by no means a an elite beer. But it's one that's it's worth the purchase. It's a great summertime beer. To, yes. to mix things up from the fruity type summer beers. And these ratings, they are so subjective because you're right. Like in, in a hot weather, like it could be a 4.0, but you have to kind of, you, we kind of know what the overall quality of the beer is and then, and how you've reacted to other beers and what you might rather have. So you have to kind of put it all in that. But for my untapped score for the Alluvium, I'm going to give it a 3.75 because I like it quite a bit. If I if I really love a beer, I'll probably do a four zero or four two five to get to the four five and above. Like it's got to be excellent. It's got to be one of you know. It's got to be a heady topper. It's it's got to be a treehouse or something like that. It's got to be some special. It's got to be a yeah. special occasion beer. Like th- this Shiner Bach is one where that you get a six pack like for each person, right? It's not a uh, it's not a special occasion. Beer. Maybe I'll get some. Maybe I'll maybe I'll pick up a specialty six pack for the Super Bowl, and and some of those will spill over into the into the podcast. I like it. Yeah, you got to do that. So this year, we had a really good voicemail engagement. Uh, I know Sam, you weren't on a, the shows this year, but like they had us cracking up every week. Like so many so many good voicemails. I know we get Coach Holmes calls in a lot. Hokey Hack. Uh, who is it? Uh, the Berlins. So many, so many fun regulars that call the show. And I can't remember all the names right now. So if you are a regular, our guy who's always getting high on the swings, love that guy. Uh, so it is, it was a really fun year of calls. And this is going to, I think, be fun for the listeners to listen back and kind of hear where people were at when those first like handful of games and those tough losses, and then hear it go the other way and come all the way back. So this is roughly, I want to say about, 20 minutes of voicemails uh, to the tune of Hotline Bling. So I hope you guys enjoy it. But we're going to start with the reactions to Old Dominion. All right, Hokies. Everyone just breathe. Step off the ledge. We didn't look too good. We didn't look too bad. Hey, Judy, this is Devin. You know, there was a lot of good things about this game. Sure, we can nitpick some things, but it's good to get the win. Lane Stadium was rocking. Wow, what a great game. Grant Wells. Take away some of the drops, take away some of the bad snaps that mess up the timing. Everything looks pretty good on offense. Really great to see Wells be a competent quarterback. And I guess having the right wide receivers around him was a big deal. Well, we played well. Just hope we don't leave points on the field. An ACC play. 
On defense, though, that's a completely different story. Looked like we had no contain on the edge. We could not stop the A-gap run and rush up the middle. Can't run the ball, can't stop the run. I don't know how Odie is gashing us for 10 yards of carry. The defense, wow, five sacks. That is great. Three turnovers. Two fumbles, great, but they were both on like 10-plus yard run plays, and we got lucky, timely. What I'm most curious about this week, of course, is how Robbie feels about the defensive end play. I believe he had uh, five sacks uh, on the game. Is this his insatiable lust for quality defensive end play stated, or, or does he need to see more? This could have been a really, really rough game. Glad it wasn't. Want to know if it was good. But keep your chin up. There's a lot of stuff to learn from this game. Came out with a really good win, covered the spread, scored 30 points, did everything that we wanted to do, although it may not have looked like some of our fans wanted. It was good to get a competent win. Nobody was magical, nobody did anything crazy, and we didn't shit the bed. That's as good as it gets, man. Hey, Pete. Robbie. How the fuck are you guys? I'm not going to say anything negative, man. Let's just get thrown on the swing together. Go fucking Hokies. Good fucking night. Purdue is up next. Hey, guys. This is Andy coming to you live from Lane Stadium. Testing out the new cell towers they put in here. Can you hear me? Hello? Man, that was a really rough loss. It was rough all the way around. Rough game. Team played hard. They came back. I'm proud of them for not giving up. Wow. What a, uh, what a wild but all familiar ride. You can see this team definitely has them in them, and you can see that that game was winnable. They just should have won that game. Injuries to our top two receivers, you know, I don't know if we were going to win this game if we can't run the ball. Losing Jennings, Lane going out early, Wells getting hurt, defense played their ass off, they were just on the field for too long. And the fact that our players just don't even look like they want to be here right now. Our fan base is going to be in a tizzy over this drones versus Wells stuff. I think it's pretty safe to say that Grant Wells ain't it, man. Drones is QB1, that's all I gotta say. Can uh, can you guys let the coaching staff know, maybe like pull Kyron Drones out from the uh, weather delay, I don't know, maybe third quarter next time, fourth quarter? Will not understand why he came in with two minutes left unless Wells just could not move. I think that Grant Wells, just like Jalen Holston, must be like the most Heisman-worthy, amazing practice players that ever existed. Wells. Stay looking like you drink six Red Bulls before the game. Everything good that happens with Wells, it just feels like it's an accident. It's, it's almost back in the Fuente era, like towards the end, where we're just like, I feel like we're just throwing the ball around, hoping something works, and when we get a first down or a touchdown, it feels like a total accident, and it's luck. He's throwing it to the other team's receivers. I'm all in on not Grant Wells, and I, I, I'm sure he is a great human. He is just not the confident quarterback that we need. Scared money don't make money not ready to push the panic button yet. I'm not sure if I can confirm my affiliation with the school anymore. I just hope that uh, they can be able to fix the wrongs that happen in this and go into Rutgers and being able to uh, win that one. I was predicting uh, six wins. I'm still sticking to that. Uh, if we do lose to Rutgers, it's going to drop, but I have faith. I think we can get to a bowl still. I'm ready to be hurt again. Football season's back. Rutgers. Hey, Pete. Robbie. How the hell are you guys? Well, that wasn't good. <laughs> We're not even a minute into this game, and I want the ground to swallow me whole. Matt Lofier. 
We have to stop meeting like this. Too deep, it's Devin. You know, I'm actually down south in Georgia this weekend because I had better things to do than to go to this way, that way, to scout away and watch us give up, what was it, seven and a half yards to carry. I regret absolutely nothing. That first drive, the fumble. All I'm going to say about that is I'm hurt. Gone are the days where we could just pencil in various wins and make hilarious highlight videos. You can imagine how much CGI it would take to make our team actually look good. Kind of like the hurt that you feel when you have seven chili dogs at the state fair. I mean, I'm still hopeful. I'm still hokey. I'm still hoping we'll be good again. My God, we suck. You know, I used to be one of those people that got mad after games, you know, like that we got our ass kicked. But then I realized, you know what? It's all about the tailgate experience, and damn, did we have a good tailgate experience up in New Jersey. I think you might just be a bad luck charm, bud. Yeah, so if you're thinking of going anymore, maybe maybe sit this one, the next one out. But on a bright spot, at least Jones doesn't look horrible. Unfortunately, everybody else around him does. I felt like we looked improved today. You know, I felt like Drones under center, like he made, he, we looked better. Still, we suck. Turns out Drones can pass. Seems like he can run the offense pretty well. I feel like they've got some blackmail on, on Pry that the only way that they won't start well is if he literally can't walk. It should be promising, almost like a Gerard Evans club. And maybe have something to celebrate? Maybe. I don't know, I'm not going that far. <laughs> Let's just redshirt. Like, the players, the coaches, all the fans, everybody. That's a tough pill to swallow. Oh, this is going to be a long season, guys. Product on the field is not what we want, but you know what? We're still coming out, and you can't stop us, Hokies. A high-dose edible an hour before kickoff. It's excruciatingly slow and painful still, but God, is it a good time. Try to stock up enough alcohol. I'll make the game next week against the Thundering Turds. You ever heard of... Thank God for Mississippi when comparing state rankings. Well, my new outlook on life is at least we're not Michigan State. And Pete, thanks for the hot dog. Marshall. Hey, that uh, first drive, uh, that, that two-back formation looked real good. Glad we never used it again. Tebow's got to go. Pete, I know you said to not leave long messages, but this could be a long one, man. Oh, my God, dude. We, we, we have to get rid of Brent Rye. I, I love the guy. He gets it, but he just doesn't get it, dude. All right, Tootie, you can mark this game as the weekend I'm officially out on Bowen. I am not a football aficionado by any stretch, but I've rewatched the, the, the game, and I officially want to get drunk. You pass it 21 times and run it nine times, and you told us that Jones is the better runner and not as good of a passer. I can't even understand that logic. That, that was just painful to watch. Our offensive play calling is was atrocious today. It reminded me of the scene from Idiocracy, the Luke Wilson movie, where he's watching the guy trying to put a block through a circle hole. That, that's just what it looks like. Good. I mean, this is... Fuck me, man. I've been a fan of this team since I could walk, and I, I just don't know what to say, man. I'd call our offensive line a revolving door, but I think that'd be disrespectful to revolving doors. We have to stop the run. No, no, hold on. I I'm calling back because I'm driving home from, from Marshall when I'm actually 20 called pass plays to 10 called running plays, or less, 10 or less, with a running quarterback who you say is not an accomplished passer. I, I just, 
I'm actually upset. We are the laughing stock of college football. This is this is so ridiculous, man. Hey, it's Craig. Can we just like forfeit the rest of the season? I don't know. Figure out Mike. Get healthy. I still think Kyron's probably the quarterback I have to go to just because I feel like that's more of the offense you want to run. Joe Rogers is right. Fire with Babcock. People on the X app need to spend way too much time on the X app. Maybe they need to spend some time on the XXX app. God damn it. Oh, it's not good. It's not good, boys. But bring that. That. We need a fucking fan meeting. Go fucking over you. <sighs> now I'm going get, to get into the bourbon. Pete. Pitt. Boys, all I got to say is Kyron Drones is handier than a pocket on a damn shirt. I've had like five pumpkin beers right now, and we are just going to tear through that ass. Oh, we are so back, baby. Whoa! I mean, Narduzzi's just praying, hoping Michigan State's calling and saying, please, for the love of God, get me out of here, because the Hokies are coming. Sweet Caroline, eat your pen. Go Hokies. Let me tell you something, brother. What you gonna do, Narduzzi, dude, when Hokie Nation runs wild on you, brother? Man, I really think Kyron Drones is him. I think he's got it, and luckily we figured it out before he can transfer out to an NBC school this time. The Hokies have scored 38 points. Let me repeat that. The Hokies have scored 38 points. Amazing. Almost forgot what uh, what this feels like to win a football game. And finally, the football justified the alcohol. I have hope. I mean, that felt good. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to draw too many conclusions. They say winning fixes everything. Yeah. <laughs> We have a lot to fix. Glad to see Tyler Bowen took all our advice, removed head from ass, and called a pretty good game. Bowen called a good game. Offense, when we run the ball, man, get six yards on first down, makes life a lot easier. My one takeaway from the game is this. He shit Pat Narduzzi sits to pee. This tells me they can beat some other teams in the ACC, so... At least not all hope is lost. A stomp the nose, okay? I am very optimistic right now. I'm excited. Brooke, how are you feeling? Super excited. Super excited. I mean, if you feel super excited, I'm feeling good. Pete, Robbie, that is they. Victory joints on the swings. Superior. Let's go, Hokies. Florida State. Look, nobody penciled this game in, you know, six months ago as a W. I'm fine with this result. They performed admirably. Fuente would say, you know, I'm so, so proud of East Kid. And I am. Uh, the end result was kind of what I expected. You know what? I'm actually feeling okay today. You know what? And correct me if I'm wrong, but we went down there, didn't have any major injuries, didn't lose by 50. And Kyron got some good, good film that he can he can review to continue to get better and look forward to this year and next year. This is something to be actually positive about, even though we lost by 22 points. I watched that first quarter. I live here in Central Florida. I was going to go outside and do some yard work. Figured I'd watch the second quarter. What a way to bring it back. I had to battle back for being 22 down in the second quarter. Defense stepping it up, offense with some great plays. Go Hokies. I don't care if we lose this game. I'm proud of the 
team for doing what they did in the second quarter. I think overall I feel okay, but I'm so sick of this team giving me hope in the middle of the game where they go down multiple scores, come back and make it really interesting, and then they just get ran all over for the rest of the game. Bowen called a pretty good game throughout the middle of the game, and then our our athletes just couldn't hold out to their athletes. I bet Bowen knows when to take a knee at least, uh, so there's that. We have a potential to go bowling. If we play this way for the rest of the year, we will go bowling. Go freaking Hokies. Next, we have Wake Forest. Hey, Pete. Robbie. All I got to say, man, is after further review, the kids are in bed. The bong is hitting. Go Hokies. Yeah, what a game. It's Hokie Hack, and... I feel like we're back. Really great to see the Hokies dominate, especially on defense. I really thought we were going to be stuck at 17 points. Happy the Hokies were able to pull it out. 321 passing yards, 141 rushing yards. Really good play from Chiron Drone. It was kind of ugly at first, a little slow and boring, but uh, kind of ramped up. Glad to see that we have some offense developing and defense starting to step it up a little bit too. Not great, but hey, it's a Power 5 win. Uh, I'll take it. You cannot argue um, with how good of a performance this was, especially on the defensive side. They're probably not a good team, but we look good. And we got a Syracuse team coming who has lost three in a row. I, I am taking the Friday off. I'm taking a half day on Thursday. I am going to drink five pumpkin beers, maybe even more, to make life hell for the Orange. Thursday nighter against Syracuse. I had the brilliant idea that I was going to take a shot every time we scored, and thus far, out of five possessions, they have scored five times, and it ain't even halftime, so pray for me, because my ass got to work tomorrow. I had as many rushing yards as Syracuse. I have five pumpkin beer. The offense started out hot continue throughout the game only place where we have room to grow is in red zone offense we got to be able to punch those things in for touchdowns and Kyron Drones is the best quarterback to ever touch a football field we are watching God gift the football go Hokie had some Whitley's nuts the official nuts of Virginia Tech some pretty good stuff Hokies dominated on offense as well as defense Defense was absolutely lights out eight sacks in the game. APR is a machine. I mean, we got Louisville up next. I mean, that was one of those games I was looking at. I was like, you know what? I'm not looking forward to it. I'm happy I don't have a ticket to it. Now I'm thinking, you know what? I wish I had a way to get to Louisville. And Tyron Drones win a game away from Lane Stadium. It would be interesting to see. They've just been dominating ever since uh, Pittsburgh, and uh, let's hope it continues. I love this team. I love this. I love this defense. Man. What growth from this team. Go freaking Hokies. Hey, guys. Look, I just want to call you real quick. Tell you my favorite part of the game was when we did the f***ing, and we didn't stop doing the f***ing until the goddamn clock hit zeros. Go f***ing Hokies. Everybody get on the f***ing swings. Louisville, that was a tough one on the road. Look, man, I didn't expect to win, you know, going into it. I I figured it would be nice to hang, but I didn't expect that at all. All right, Hokie fans, everyone needs to take a big step back, take a deep breath, and breathe. 
the sky is not falling. It's not the end of the world. We played a very, very, very good team, number 13 in the country. I still think we can get two, two wins. We got Boston College, then we get NC State, and man, only reason I really think we can win that game is because it's being played in Lane Stadium. We still have an opportunity to go bowling, take care of business these next three weeks. And then we got UVA in Lane Stadium North. And we will be all right. Everyone just breathe. All right, well, dust her off. Get a little H.I. And uh, we're on to the next one. Go freaking Hokies. Don't drink five pumpkin beers. Boston College. Well, Hokies, we finally showed up on the road. Unreal performance. I am here in the stands at Alumni Stadium. 38-7. For the love of God, can we stop being that team that pulls the strings so early? I want to put 50 on them, 60, 70 on them, damn it. Is that too much to ask? Probably. Probably is too much to ask as a Hokie. Hey, what a great game. I mean, after that Louisville game, uh, you know, where we just didn't seem to do anything, we come back, we have solid offense, solid defense, a great field goal kicker, holy cow. Defense shut down the quarterback like we needed to. They couldn't do anything else on the field. You know what? I can't complain. 48 is great. 48 has been fantastic. I think it's been since what? At least 21. I know it sure as heck won't last year. The only heartbreak was watching, uh, you know, Grant Wells run down the sideline. And, you know, man, we're rooting for him. He's a Hokie and just uh, sucked to watch him drop that right there at the end. I, I don't really have much to say other than that shit was awesome. That made me happy. Man, way to go, Hokies. I'm proud of y'all. Just visited Treehouse Brewing. Did I mention I made chili today? Yep, made chili, and I put Hokie beer in the chili. Next week, I am salivating on taking on NC State and that Brennan Armstrong-led offense. Let's go win these next two. Let's get the seven wins. Let's go bowling. I'm on Virginia Tech's greatest drug right now. Hope. PM. Pete. North Carolina State. Hey, Too Deep. I'm uh, kind of worried here. I have a sneaking suspicion that someone needs to check on Robbie's fish. I'm hurting this Sunday. I am hurting. It feels like 2012, 2014, and 2015. Yeah, does it feel like uh, Groundhog Day? Is this just life? Do we always have to go into the UVA game having to win it? This is our Super Bowl. This is the game they care about. Can't we just just go in there and cruise? No, we gotta we gotta save the season. And that's what we intend to do because we do it all the time. But you know what? We're gonna bring a lot of hokies. We're gonna turn the Fontaine lot into Chicken Hill North, and we're just gonna have a fun time. Why not us? No hokies. And the last game of the regular season, Virginia. What's up, Pete and Robbie? This is Coach Holmes calling from snow-covered Colorado on a absolutely glorious Saturday after Thanksgiving where it was an ass-whipping from beginning to end. Leading up to it, especially the way Calandra was talking about us, I wanted some blood, and thank God Pride did too. And man, did we go scorched earth. I mean, we took flamethrowers to the field. The defense dominated early. The offense kept the pressure on throughout the entire game. Scoring the most points in Commonwealth Cup history, making them eat dirt all game long. Too deep nation, 
brother, let me tell you something. Came into Charlottesville, Virginia, dude. Ran wild. Oh, hey, you know what time it is? It's 9.29 p.m. And, and you can still stop! Go Hokies! I deem this regular season a success. This was a step forward. We get 15 more bowl, bowl practices on our way to a game. Well, I don't know where that's going to be, but I'll be damn sure watching. What a win. Our state, baby. Let's go. A real quick story. I donated a bunch to the uh, NIL collective there, and uh, they let me send a uh, recorded message to the team. They got to play it before the game, and I just told them, look, we got a buddy out here. Uh, his kids fish can't shit good right now, and, and we really need y'all to get this win against Virginia. Uh, really stomp a mud hole in him so he can get the mud out of him, if you know what I'm saying. And uh, I'm not saying I was critical to victory. I'm just saying I was integral, okay? Oh, Robbie, help the fish. And the military bowl against Tulane. We are here in Annapolis, Maryland. We're eating wings. We're eating damn good pizza by Stephen Wright, VT. Hey, Pete and Robbie, what's going on? What a great bowl game win. Get us a 7-6 at the end of the year. We were able to dominate up front in the rain and the nasty weather. We are going to take everything that they give us and turn it into gold. Had some turnovers, but both teams had those. That's that's going to that's going to happen in that sloppy field. But I'm going to tell you, these offensive Hokies and the defensive guys that we got coming back is very promising moving forward. And what are they? They turn this. It's going to be our touchdown. Let's go, Hokies. Let's go, Hokies. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I know, I know, I did. It's uh, it was it was long, but if you stuck with it, I'm sure you were laughing in your car or mowing the grass or whatever you're doing. I guess it's you might have to be living in Florida and be mowing your grass right now. But that's the famous line from the beginning of the podcast. Of I just uh, I just mowed the lawn before the podcast, but. Thank you for for hanging out tonight. Hopefully you uh, you enjoyed the catch up that me and Sam provided. We will be coming back. I think I might be recording a show next week with a guest. I'll, I'm going to talk to Sam a little bit about that off the air. But uh, but until then, go Hokies. Go Hokies.